Everybody, I'm French the Bro host, and you're listening to the Mixtape Podcast. This is episode 48. We're bringing you the weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the Knicks Take. Then head over to YouTube and search Knicks Take Videos. If you'd rather follow on Instagram, you'll be able to find us there at The Knicks Take. And lastly, on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. <sighs> if you tuned in last episode, my brother was reporting last week that with sources close to the situation, I got into a little car accident while driving home last Saturday night. Nothing crazy. I, I, I'm okay. I didn't really get too hurt. Not really outside of my feelings, because I thought I was just a better driver than that. But it was raining all weekend, late night, went over a pothole, got distracted by the GPS. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But outside of that experience, I've I've been watching a show that I can't wait to tell you about later in the episode when I'm doing my recommendations. Trust me, you're going to want to be tuned in for that. But last episode, Ja left off talking about the playoffs and What's going on in the second round of the playoffs? So that's where I'm going to just start off at. So in the Boston and Milwaukee series, I was listening last week with y'all. I, I wasn't I wasn't tuned in at the moment of the recording, but I, I was listening with y'all. And he was saying he got money that this, this series is going to go seven games. He would have baited me into betting with him. Luckily, I wasn't on. So he he was right. The Boston Celtics forced the game seven. Giannis had a monster 44 points and 20 rebounds in game six, but it wasn't enough since Tatum led Boston with 46 points. Forced game seven, and I didn't really like Coach Budenholzer saying after the game that no team had won two straight games in the series. So that's his ex- expectation going into game seven. And then I feel like if you're going to ever say something like that, you – if you lose that game seven, you should deserve some of the blame because when you give quotes out like that to the media, you think Jason Tatum's not going to see that. You think Marcus Smart not going to see that defensive player of the year. It's like you challenging them to win again since they just beat you. You're basically saying they can't do it again. So game seven is ours. Nah, that you challenging these people who are different than the average NBA player. Tatum wants to be a superstar. He wants to prove that he's a superstar, and this is the perfect opportunity for him to do that. This is the defending champs. Giannis, who they're saying is the next LeBron in this conference, who's been showing that he's the next LeBron in this conference by his dominance in game six alone. Like, he was just 44 and 20. We don't see numbers like that since Shaq. And that you want to go and make it harder for that guy? He lost when he just did that. So I like the Bucks a lot. I, I love Drew Holiday. I feel like for him to have never been the defensive player of the year is kind of nuts because he's widely regarded as the best defender in the NBA, best perimeter defender, I should say. And 
if you want to make the series even harder for yourself saying stuff like that, I don't think it's I don't think it's a really good move. So I'm looking forward to seeing this game. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be ha- happened by the time y'all are listening, but it's happening today in like 15 minutes. But I spoke to Ja earlier before this episode. He gave me what his prediction of what this series would turn out to. So I'm going to play that clip right now, and then I'm going to give you all my prediction. Boston Celtics, who you got? Game seven today. Uh, where is it? It's in Boston. I'm going to go Boston. you going Boston? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a that's a tough pick right there. Of course it is. Just because it's at home? Huh? Just because it's at home? Yeah, and I think that um, I think, I think Milwaukee gave them the best that they got. And I think Boston adjusted in game six. So I think, I think game seven is going to be like game six. Oh, no. Giannis is different. He is. But Jason Tatum is also different. So. Milwaukee Bucks experience, too. The veterans. Yeah. Drew Holiday. Yeah. Bobby Portis. They won their yeah. chip already. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a tough game. It is a tough game. So you sticking with Boston? I'm sticking with Boston. All right, but. So as you just heard, Ja, he's picking Boston. And me personally, I feel like this game is going to be like, it's going to be intense. This might may even go over time. My pick for this series, it, it took so much consideration because it's just so hard to just not choose one of these, these two teams. They, they're both really great teams. I, I personally, I love the Boston Celtics. I know I shouldn't say that as a Knicks fan, but. I really believe Giannis is he's he's legitimately the the closest thing we've seen to a LeBron James in this East since LeBron went out west. And the Bucks are a very, very poised team, mature veteran team, positive. Drew Holiday took that matchup with Marcus Smart personally. All logic just points to the Bucks winning this series. I believe for the for the Celtics to win this series, I think it would have to come down to another Al Horford performance where he where he's just taking over for at least a quarter you know what i'm saying giving some type of support for a perfect tatum game i feel like that's what it's going to take for boston to win and i know Giannis is going to have a monster game because we we just we have that expectation of Giannis, and he's proven that that expectation is not something that he's not willing to follow every single year like he's proven that he can he can have these types of games you saw game seven last year in the finals what like you know what to expect when you see in game seven now against a young and up upcoming boston celtics team like these two teams know what to expect from each other and it's gonna be a dog fight so i didn't expect me and, and me and jada agree on this but i'm also gonna go with boston mainly due to the fact that I think Tatum is ready to take that next step. I feel like Chris Middleton not being on on the on this Milwaukee team is gonna hurt them in game seven. And I think Tatum can have a perfect game. 
to 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 take his team to the conference finals. All year, it's it's I've been seeing Tatum go on these uh these podcasts, letting his his name be known. Like I feel like I'm being personally disrespected by the media. I'm not in these all NBA conversations. I feel like I'm having a season that deserves recognition. And if you feel like that. You going into this game seven feeling like you got something to prove. Giannis, I don't know if he's going to have something to prove or have that, 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 that itch to prove to the world how great he is like Tatum is. Like Tatum is, he's a superstar. And I feel like he's going to show that in game seven. I feel like Al Horford has shown that he can be relied on in a game seven. Like it's, this is do or die, go home or go to the next round and I think Boston is just hungry and we agree (laughs) we agree we also talked about uh Phoenix and Dallas in that clip so I'm gonna let that one play now and then I'm gonna come back in and give y'all my take what about uh Phoenix and Dallas I'm going Phoenix or I don't know. Luca. Luca been wild. I don't hear your picks. <laughs> you, you're going here. You're going here. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be released with the episode. <laughs> I could tell you now if you want. Yeah, I'll wait. All right, but a lot of thought went into it. Even though I, I ain't really been paying close attention to the playoffs, I've been paying attention to the, like, big stories and, like, the big games. <laughs> but... These two, these two games today is gonna to be crazy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I think I don't think the Suns played. Uh, I don't think the Suns played their best game in Game Six. <clears throat> so, kind of like the opposite of what I think about the Boston and Milwaukee game. Hmm. Yeah, so I, think, I think Phoenix is going to try and uh, it's going to give it all they got in Game Seven, and they're going to win. I will see. So it's another Game Seven scheduled to be played today at the time of this recording, and y'all gonna have already known the the result. But personally, between Dallas and Phoenix, that's a series that I'm also like, oh no. This one is tough because I thought Chris Paul coming into this playoffs, he came in here hungry like the Phoenix Suns, number one team in the NBA. Poised team, just like Milwaukee, ready to just have another rematch. That's what I was really expecting, to be honest, like another rematch between Milwaukee and Phoenix. But Luka, Luka is not here for all that legacy shit for the next man. He did not come here to play. He came to the playoffs with a goal, and he looks like he's intending to get to that to, to that goal. I don't think Luca thinks he's supposed to be waiting down the line to get himself a championship. It looked like he's trying to get it now, and he's playing at a level that's very hard to stop for Phoenix. It, it appears like they don't they don't really have an answer for Luca. He's averaging thirty in this series, so for this series to go seven. And 
I've, I personally believe that New Orleans series between Phoenix and uh, and New Orleans in the first round, I think that kind of took some life out of Chris Paul because he wasn't expecting that series to be that tough. And them young guys made him earn it every win. And he had to have a damn near perfect 40 for 14 game. Not even damn near. It was a perfect 40 for 14 game to close that series out. And Luca is making him earn it just as much. But job pick Phoenix to win this series. I'm going with Luka Doncic. I think on the East, if I'm going to go with Tatum and Boston, it's, it's literally the mirror kind of series between both of these two two uh conferences i feel like whoever wins the boston milwaukee series is gonna come out the east this is gonna be the two teams that's gonna face off against each other in the finals and i can definitely see luca get into the conference finals at least i don't know if i can see him going to the finals but this matchup for chris paul and devin booker like phoenix has star players but they don't have nobody like a luca Luca's the best player in this series. He is. And he's he 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 don't gotta worry about old legs. He he's young. He's young, up and coming, and he has all the talent that you need get from a star player to get to the next level for your team. And he's surrounded by defenders. He's he's surrounded by dogs. We know who these who these players are for, as Knicks fans. Frank Nilakina playing all these minutes and basically giving evidence to all the Knicks fans that said that, oh, if Frank Nilekina had a role on a playoff team, you would see where his value lies. You're seeing that right now. He ain't scoring. He's, he's, he's going out there, but he's disrupting shit for the Phoenix Suns. He's, he's disrupting Devin Booker. He's disrupting Chris Paul, for sure. These guys on Dallas... They not scared of none of these guys on Phoenix. Like, they, yeah, you're the best team in the NBA, but we would we were the best defensive team to end the year. You remember that, right? That don't stop just because the playoffs started. Luca, he's going to rack up them assists early in the game. And that's when you need guys like Reggie Bullock who are going to be playing defense all game long, make the threes early in the game to get your teammates in rhythm. Now Luca going to get busy. I don't know how Phoenix is going respond to a monster Luka game seven and that's that's what I'm looking forward to seeing I'm looking forward to seeing what this game comes out to be but that's just the two games today the other two playoff series that ended with Jimmy Butler sending in B James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers home packing for the summer also Steph Curry Golden State they sent John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies home for supper. And I, I, I can't really comment too much on those two series because I haven't personally been following the playoffs too much. I've only really been following, like, the big games. And I, I've only really been following Boston and uh, Dallas, to, to be honest with you. The rest of these these other series, I don't really care. I know Miami's going to be a good series in the, in the East Conference Finals with whoever comes out of there. Boston, most likely, and, and in Miami, I think that's going to be a really good series. But I haven't really been paying too much attention. I'm going to watch that, but I'd rather just skip ahead to the draft segment right now. So that's exactly what I'm about to do. All the potential picks from 11 plus, 
that Jaden, he he's literally spoke on every prospect you could think of. So I found some really intriguing prospects to talk about with y'all. So the first one that I'm going to talk about with you is G League Ignite guard, Jaden Hardy. He's a very shifty ball handler who thrives with the ball in his hands. Very effective in the pick and roll. And I think if we promote quickly into the starting five unit, we're going to miss his scoring punch off the bench, at least from the guard spot. I think Fournier, he could go into the bench unit, be six man in a year, but I, I don't feel like he's going to be the guy that you want to rely on every single night to be your off the bench scorer. We're going to need a point guard to complement Evan Fournier. And I think Jaden Hardy could fit in perfectly for an Emmanuel quickly off the bench. Um, Hardy's also 41% off catch and shoot looks really effective in the mid range can be used as a real weapon off the bench because he's, if he's wide open, he rarely misses. Like I, I've been watching a lot of film on him and he, he just has a beautiful form. He, it kind of reminds me of Kevin Knox, but it's faster. And from what I've followed from this front office, I believe that they value players who come in and have an elite skill already. And I believe Hardy is elite in the pick and roll. I think he's an elite level shooter. He's, he's not a great finisher because he doesn't really have elite athleticism, but I definitely, he's worth, I, I think he's worth taking a look at. Another prospect that I really have grown intrigued by is an international prospect, Serbian forward Nikola Jovic. His name is very similar to the two-time MVP, but he's a hooper in his own right. Jovic is a very smart 6'10 forward who is a very crafty playmaker and shot creator. He has a quick release. He's a crafty finisher in the paint. He's not a great finisher in the paint. He's not really an elite athlete, but he thrives mostly in transition. I could see him and Obi developing some type of chemistry early on in the fast break alone because Jovic is a very gifted passer, very instinctive on offense. He reads defenses very well. He's comfortable making adjustments. But in the areas where he needs to improve, I think he struggles as a primary defender. I see him like showing potential as a really good off-ball defender, but he has to really build up some strength. And I think Tibbs could work with him and get him to be a, a better primary defender. But he, he, he has a very high basketball IQ, shows potential with many different aspects of his game. And I think if you if you bring him into New York and let him learn under Tibbs and play alongside these young guys that we got here, I think you can see a lot of good things from Nikola Jovic. Another prospect. This prospect, personally, I see a lot of people are out on, but I'm not. I, I, I see a lot of potential in him. And I'm talking about Kentucky point guard Tata Washington. Tata is a very high IQ passer. He rewards rim runners who sprint the floor. And that right there is something that no player on the Knicks does. I think Mitchell Robinson alone would particularly benefit from a player like Tata Washington. Washington is also an elite lob passer, always finds his big man in the dunker spot, also excels in the mid-range with potential to be elite in this area due to the great touch that he has off his shooting form. And I don't really... We, we don't really see too many Knicks players thriving in the, in the mid-range. We we see a lot of guys shooting up on the three or just attacking in the paint. 
RJ starting to utilize the mid-range. He's saying he's going to work on that throughout this summer with DeMar DeRozan. I would like to see a lot more players in this on his team thriving in the mid-range. I see IQ's been trying to add the mid-range to his game. Tata's already elite in that aspect. And he has a great floater, a lot like Emmanuel. Quickly, he plays with a great pace. 40% catch and shoot before the injuries derailed his season. Tata doesn't really have a great pull-up nor great athleticism, but I think if you, as long as you're a, a player with a great basketball IQ, you're a great shooter, you're quick, you have a floater, and you play with intensity every night and you play with a passion, that's what you're going to get from guys from, who go to Kentucky because that's, that's the only type of guys that they recruit. And I think coming from that system and coming to New York is would like he's going to have everything he needs to thrive as a player. And I think we could bring the best out of Tata Washington because he was really good before he went down with injuries. And I don't think we should just give up on him because of one performance after after ankle injuries. Like he couldn't run. He couldn't really do nothing. He couldn't move the same. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I looked at him as a really good prospect before those injuries, so I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that same energy. To talk about some sleeper prospects now, guys that we're potentially gonna get in the second round. I see that the Knicks have begun to schedule workouts with a few prospects. I'm only gonna speak on the ones that I particularly like, and uh, the two prospects that I'm gonna talk about is Gabe Brown, who's Michigan State, second-round pick, most likely 6'8", athletic, 3 and D wing. He led Michigan State in scoring. He's not much of a shot creator. He can be passive at times on offense, but every other aspect of his game is pretty solid. He's very, he's like, he's a very good free throw shooter, which is something I feel like we need because a lot of the guys on our team this last season, we was very, very bad at the free throw line. And... To have a guy who's 6'8", who's going to bring you defense, he's a really good playmaker for his position. He's a solid athlete with good defense, but plays with great energy. Tibbs would love a guy like Gabe Brown. I think as if he's a great free throw shooter, that just means he could play more minutes on the, on the court. And we need guys who's going to be able to be versatile and switch multiple positions. If you have more guys like that, you have a recipe for success. The other guy that I want to speak on is Peter Kiss. He's a prospect that I also want to look at in our second round pick, 25-year-old. I know that turns a lot of people off, but I think he gonna, he's going to fit right into what we we building. Like a, a lot of the guys we got, they getting older. We're going to need a lot of more veteran presence. Even if you're going to be coming out of draft pick, he's going to have a lot of the fundamentals that a lot of the 18-year-olds ain't going to have. So I don't really mind it as much. Everyone was saying Obi was... This old player, you see he's still on the Knicks. He's still doing his thing. He's still growing. Come on now. We ain't got to wait four or five years like we did with past draft picks that we've had. I ain't even going to bring up no names. But Peter Kiss, he's from Manhattan, New York. Went to school in the Bronx for a short stint. I've been watching Kit film on him, and he's he's pretty impressive to me. He led the NCAA in scoring with about 25 points per game, 46% from the field. He excels at scoring off the off the ball mostly. Scoring off the dribble potential. He has a great motor. Really good athlete. I haven't really seen him against much elite competition, so it's really hard to get a feel for what to expect when he gets to the NBA. But 
I think due to his age and you don't really see a definitive NBA comparison for him. I see that like when when you see prospects like that, they a lot of times they go undrafted. And I I, I see that the Knicks wanted to work him out so he could possibly just be on a summer league team if he goes undrafted. But I like his game a lot. He he plays with a lot of intensity and those are the draft prospects that I like the most outside of the ones that Ja talked about. I ain't really want to go over the same guys. I like Jeremy Sokon too. All the types of guys that you can just throw out on the court and they could guard all five positions. Just know <laughs> I'm I, I approve. I, I I wanna see that because we need guys who can just rotate on defense. And I, I, I think that as as long as we have the number one defense in the NBA or close to it, we're always going to have a chance to be one of the top teams. So if we could draft players like that, I, I've learned from Pratt, from past experiences, wanting a Kevin Knox over a Mikhail Bridges. So now I'm always going to go for the versatile defenders who have a good jump shot basketball IQ like I feel like that these are all the prospects that you would keep an eye out for in those circumstances so now I'm gonna switch over to trade rumors Mark Berman of the New York Post reported that Utah may look to move on from Rudy Gobert to acquire pieces to surround Donovan Mitchell with a more modern roster. Since the All-Star game is going to be in Utah next season, ownership wants Donovan to basically be the face of that weekend for Utah. I see a lot of people saying, oh, I wouldn't mind a Rudy Gobert trade to New York instead of a Donovan Mitchell because... If we can't re-sign Mitch, Rudy Gobert would fit right in. And I'm, I might have been one of those people who was a part of that crowd, but I didn't realize how much money Rudy Gobert was making. And if you're going to have a guy come in and be the most, most highest-paid player on your team, you would want more production than what you're going to get from a Rudy Gobert. Yeah, he, he's the defensive player of the year conversation every year or rather he's in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation every year. But he's starting to get older. His team just lost in the first round. It doesn't really seem like there's much that we would gain from bringing him here for a few years of production. Because I, I, don't, I don't see Rudy Gobert being those players that go well into their 30s and still have a huge impact on winning. And if you're going to trade a bunch of assets away from the team, as well as pay a huge contract like that for years to come, I feel like the risk reward should be much more in the other end of the, like, I feel like it's way too much risk when you're trading for a Rudy Gobert. And that's just with me. It's also worth noting that I'm seeing video of Emmanuel quickly and Donovan Mitchell doing photo shoots in Connecticut together. It's also worth noting that Julius Randle, Worldwide West, 
Leon Rose were all sport spotted courtside in Utah for that first round series against Dallas. It's a lot of smoke. You can't ignore it all, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't even, I'm not even sure if I, I'm certain that I want a Donovan Mitchell in New York via trade. If, it, if we do it through a free agent type of situation, which isn't for years to come, I don't really think we should be so antsy for a trade for Donovan Mitchell. That's just me. I feel like if you're going to make a trade, spend all your assets away for another player, should be a player who is going to help guarantee a chance at a championship. And I don't know if you are guaranteed a chance at the championship with Donovan Mitchell. That's just me. I like Donovan Mitchell a lot, but there's too many question marks. It's not for certain that he's going to be all NBA every year. You get what I'm saying? So... I'd rather develop our young guys and just see what we build. Hopefully we develop our own star and we ain't, we, we won't need to trade for a Donovan Mitchell. We looking to sign someone who's more ready to just jump in and just help us win that championship. But that's it for trade rumors. Events coming up this week. Draft Combine begins on Monday. Probably uh, by the time you're listening to this, it should be today. And the draft lottery, where the Knicks will finally figure out where we're going to be choosing our first round pick. It could be 11. We could drop down to 12, or we could drop. No, 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 not drop. We could jump into the top four. I'm giving you all a second to pray that we, you know what I'm saying, get some type of good luck on draft night. And by next episode, we'll know where we fell. And we're going to discuss that and see what type of prospects make the most sense at that range. So, we're going to get straight into French's recommendation. I've been watching a lot of stuff, right, these last two weeks. I didn't speak to y'all last week, so I had a little more time to watch some. And I, I'm not going to disappoint y'all. I got something for y'all. I've been watching a lot of new series and movies, right? But the main thing I wanted to come to this podcast and share with y'all about is this new series on HBO called We Own This City. It's a show based in Baltimore run by the same people who brought us The Wire. It's a limited series based on the corruption in the Baltimore Police Department unit called the Gun Trace Task Unit. The head sergeant of this unit is played by John Bernthal, who you've seen in Walking Dead. He was Shane. You've seen him in The Punisher. As The Punisher, you've seen him. Uh, t- what was that movie with Serena? Uh, King Richard. He, he was in King Richard. R- phenomenal actor. I love John Bernthal. He was amazing in this show. Uh, or he is amazing, I should say. And the show also has a podcast that follows each episode. For the series, and I've been listening to those, just learning about what's going on in reality as a result of the events that took place in the show. I personally feel like it's a must-watch. The only thing that's upsetting about this show, it's released episodically. So it's only four episodes into the first season so far, and they release every Sunday, Monday, I believe. So if you rather just wait it out, wait till the episodes 
are all done. I'll give y'all an update when the um, first season is done and I'll tell y'all to go back and watch it. But if you want to just jump straight into it and you don't mind waiting week to week, go on HBO Max, go on HBO on your TV, any way you need to watch it, just go watch and search We Own This City. That's my recommendation for the week. So that does it for me. I hope that you enjoyed part one last week and part two this week of our NBA pre-draft talk. We have more draft stuff coming in the next few weeks as it gets closer. I would like to thank you all for spending your time to come and kick it with us up here. And I hope to see you here next week. So with no further ado, I'd like to bid you adieu and thank you for listening to that intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.